So welcome to Confessions of a Serial Seller. I have a, a sales speaker, trainer, and author of the five forgotten fundamentals of prospecting. He's also a co-host of the Why and the Buy podcast with Christy Walters. Jeff Badgerick, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me, Tony. Um, this is going to be fun. I, I, I love talking selling and it, there's never a dull moment in our business. Have you noticed that? Like there's, there's always something going on. There's something in the world that affects what we do. There's something locally that affects what we do. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's always something, um, there's always something meaningful and worthwhile to talk about. And, you yeah. know, we're going to sit and chat for a little bit today and, and this is exactly how Christy and I do the why and the buy. And yeah. one of the things that people have really liked about our show and, and told us that they like about our show is that, you know, it's not your typical show. You never know what you're going to get. You, you've got the authors who come on and they go from show to show to show and they hit their main talking points and it's yeah. each week or, or whatever. And you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. You have to do that because um, yeah. that, that's how those shows are, are formulated. But then they come to our show and, you know, you ask you know, a Mike Weinberg or a Mark Hunter, for instance, yeah. both come on recently to, to launch their books within the last year. And it's like, yeah. hey, what do you want to talk about? Like, yeah. Yeah, really? We can talk about anything? I'm like, yeah, you can talk about it. You've been talking about your book forever. Of course, we're going to mention the book. We want to give you an opportunity to promote the book. But we yeah. love you, not because you wrote this book, but because you're awesome. So let's just talk about selling. And they're, they're, it's, like they, it's like they get to let their hair down, put their feet up a little bit. And we always have fun. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you just flip a microphone on, press record, and let's, let's talk. Absolutely. So tell, tell us a bit about your background, how you, I know you had over a decade as a top sales performer. Mm -hmm. Just talk me through how that journey began for you, Jeff. Totally accidentally, Tony. It, really? I, I was not someone who, um, let's just say that I didn't grow up in a family that trusted salespeople. Mm. Right? It, it, at a time when, you know, we didn't have a lot, everything we needed, but we didn't have a lot. And there was just this, this weariness around people who were trying to take stuff from us. That's how yeah. salespeople were perceived. And, um, you know, I, I graduated with a degree in athletic medicine. I was a certified athletic trainer. I worked on sidelines and in hospitals and in physical therapy departments. Wow. And um, really liked what I do. And I really liked what I did. And I what I did. It's a unique situation where um, I, get, I, I knew I was not going to come back for another football season at the high school I was working at, but I had made this decision in the spring. So I had commitments to the school over the summer. So I essentially gave the hospital I was working for who contacted me to the school. I gave them four months notice, mm. right? Professional courtesies, two weeks. I gave them four months. Yeah. And um, so they, you know, after I kind of announced my resignation or, or my resignation was announced, I didn't announce it. Mm. Um, they said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I must have figured out. It was one of the situations where I was confident I was going to be able to land on my feet somewhere. I was good yeah. at what I did. Yeah. There were, um, but it wasn't time to look for a job yet. You can't interview for a job and say, yeah, I'll see you in the fall. Like okay. people who are hiring, companies who are hiring, they're hiring right now. Cool. And uh, so that unique situation allowed uh, someone, actually the lady that sat next to me, she said, Jeff, I think you should get into sales. Mm. And I said, no, Rose, that's not me. We had just had another colleague who had gone to do that, and he fit that archetype. He fit that go-getter, yeah. bulldog, I'm going to you know, do whatever it takes kind of guy. And I said, that's not me. She said, Jeff, I know that's not you, but it doesn't need to be you. Yeah. I got you in it. Dust off your resume. What else are you going to do? 
I said, yeah. okay, well, that's fine. She knew someone. So the network was already in effect and I didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And um, so we went through the dance. I, I, the, the interview dance took a yeah. couple of months because there was no hurry. And then I was offered this job. And I, uh, my hiring manager, who really I give credit and I thank him every time I see him for getting me into this. Yeah. Uh, I said, I said, Ken, because that was his name. And yeah. I said, Ken, um, I don't know anything about business. Mm. So I appreciate that you're, you're offering me this job. I'm not entirely sure why, but thank you. And I, I just, I feel like I need to warn you. He says, Jeff, you're a good person. You're yeah. a really hard worker. You speak the language. So I, I took a job in medical device sales. So I was working yeah. in orthopedics and I was going to sell orthopedic equipment. He yeah. said, you know, you speak the language. And I've talked to the people who would be your customers who know you. And they all told me to hire you. He said, I can oh. teach you the best. Right. So I said, okay. And, and that right away for me, the fundamentals, right? Yeah. Work, be a good person. Yeah. Um, you, you know, communicate in a way that your customers uh, can understand and, and develop for yeah. and, um, and, and just be someone worth working with. And I didn't even realize that at the time, but as I look back now, I can see those fundamentals were already in place. Yeah. I said, look, I'll give this a year. If I don't like it, I go to doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it kind of took off from there. You know, I, I cut my teeth a little bit with that job for a couple of years, yeah. found some things that frustrated me, found some things I really liked, um, took an opportunity with another company and kind of had an opportunity at that time with a fresh start, do some of the things that I had always wanted to do. Didn't think yeah. I could because we all get stuck in our routines yeah. with, with the ability to start new routines. I put new processes into place and my career took off and, um, the rest, as they say, is history, Tony. I love that. Oh, I'm going to pick up on something you said there. You know, you started talking about your fundamentals. And I know that, you know, your book, The Five Forgotten Fundamentals of Prospecting, which I definitely want to touch on. But you said about, you, you understood it was about communicating on how your customers understand you. Can you give me your perspective and, and sort of you know, elaborate on that for, for my listeners? Well, there's certainly the the concept of jargon comes into play, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I took an entire two credit course in college about medical terminology, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that I, you know, in an operating room, right? In um, uh, just even in a, uh, an orthopedic office setting, yeah. looking at x-rays, I know how to, I know what that thing is. That thing you're pointing to, I know what it is. I know what normal people call it. I know what doctors call it, right? Yeah. So there was, there was something about that, but there was also not just the actual words of the language, but I understood what the intention of the surgeons or or what the surgeon was. I knew what he or she was trying to do. Mm. So I could position my solution Mm. in accordance with what it was that with the outcome that they were trying to achieve. Yes. And so regardless, regardless of the, of the jargon, right. I knew what the whole point of that surgery was and I could then be a resource and I could assist with the physician, whether a surgeon or a non-surgeon with yeah. what they were trying to do. I sold knee braces and I sold knee replacements, right? I mean, yeah. there, were, there were things that I did that, um, you know, through the process that the physician was trying to go through, I knew where I fit, where I didn't. And that allowed me to provide them with resources that allowed me to provide them with expertise. They looked at me as a partner in some ways and 
that I think transcends any industry that you're in. Do you know what your customers are trying to accomplish? Do you know how you can help them accomplish that or how you can't, which helps you keep your nose out of places that it shouldn't be. And if you can position yourself with a level of expertise and as someone who is there for the right reasons for them, you're going to be asked to come back. Absolutely. I tell people when you're, when you're prospecting, you need to be someone who is worth talking to. Yeah. You need to establish yourself as someone worth talking to, and you need to typically have something worth talking about. I think that's so key, you know, prospecting, is, is to be that go-to expert, that authority. What's, what's the best advice, Jeff, in your experience for my listeners of, of how they can position themselves in that way right now when it comes to prospecting? <sighs> wow, that's... That's a really good question. I, I think it's uh, understanding your customer, yeah. understanding what they need, and understanding how you can help, right? And then we go to the five forgotten fundamentals, and, and the, the first fundamental is know what you bring to the table, right? So yeah. know why you're different, why you're valuable, and why that matters. And the, the second uh, fundamental is know who you should be talking to. Who are they? Why would they buy? Why wouldn't they buy? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so that is thought process that happens before you leave the office, before you pick up the phone, right? If you're starting a new job, that might be a week. Yeah. That might be a week where you sit in your office and you think about those things so that you have an idea about your messaging and who that messaging should be applied to. If you are starting a company, that yeah. might be a month. Yes. But here's the thing. If you don't know those, if you don't have a handle on those things, you yeah. don't have any business making phone calls. Yeah. Unless it's to test some of those preliminary theories to find out what's working, what's not. But you have to have a really good idea of that stuff first. So in, in terms of being valuable to someone who's, um, you, you know, to being valuable to your prospects, to your, your potential customers right now, mm. it starts behind your desk or on your couch or on a walk or in your headphones or, or whatever, thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then once you have that, then it's about finding those people where they are. And, and so, you know, the debate about using social media or using the phone or using email or face-to-face, whatever, none of that really matters yeah. because it all depends on the person that you are trying to reach. Find them wherever they are. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Uh, well, share with me the other fundamentals. So uh, fundamental number one, know what you bring to the table. Fundamental number two know who you should be talking to. Fundamental number three is one of my favorites. I, I say um, create tension. You create to create sales. Um, for a long time, tension has been described as pain. Yes. So in a painful state right now, we need to be the solution. We need to be the medicine. We need to be the pain reliever. Yes. Um, I, you know, I don't think people buy Rolex watches because they're in pain. I don't believe people buy $250,000 cars because yeah. they're in pain. Right. Some of those really expensive cars are also the hardest ones to get into and out of. Right. Like this is, you know, this this, this is not about pain. Um, But they, they buy it because they're looking to achieve something. Sometimes they're looking to a, a a lack of pain, right? (laughs) That is the achievement they're looking for. Other times they're just looking to take the next step. Yeah. So, it's not always about pain, but what you need to do is create the disparity between the current and future state of that customer. And if you're selling B2B as particularly to a business owner, that business owner has a future state that they desire for their business. They're looking to accomplish something. And what you do to create tension first is to create a connection. We mentioned my partner uh, on the why on the buy, Christy Walters. Yeah. 
She's wonderful. And she, we were discussing this on one of the episodes and she said, Jeff, before you create tension, you must first create a connection, mm. right? If you think mm. about, um, think about a rubber band, right? Mm. If you take a rubber band between your, your, your hands and, you know, stretch that rubber band out, there's tension on that yeah. rubber. Yeah. Okay. Cut that rubber band, eliminate the connection. There is no more tension. Mm. Right. So I love that analogy. Yeah. So, you need to connect with your prospects first. Yeah. Again, identifying yourself as someone worth talking to with something worth talking about. But then you ask them, what do they want to accomplish? Yeah. What is it that you would like to see this business be? What is it you would like to, you know, how much would you like to sell this quarter? What, what would you like to grow, et cetera? What's it going to take for you to get there? What's, it getting, what, what's getting in your way right now? What, what would you say, I mean, you touched on a few future-paced questions there. What's one of your go-to maybe future-paced questions to really get into the head of our buyers? You ready for this, Tony? Tell me. What do you want to be when you grow up? Okay. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's it's one of my favorites. Uh, I could ask you that right now if you want, but that's one of my favorite go-tos and there's a a reason for that. One, it is a future state oriented question. Two, it's not a question that people often ask, particularly of another adult, right? No, you're right. Um, That's a very good point. um, Third, you'll typically get a smile. Yeah, and I think if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. But you, yeah. that also the humor, humor also eases some of that tension, right? Yeah. I think there's a push and a pull to to creating tension. I am I'm someone who asks really tough questions, and I expect an answer, but I will let people off the hook a little bit, yeah. right? To just to make sure that I'm, I'm they know I'm a human being and I have feelings too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it it's it's it, it adds a little bit of humor, but it also um, it, it makes them think you will typically get an answer that is different from the profession they're in right now. I love it. Yeah, I love that. Right? So, so now you've got, you've got rapport, you're having yeah. fun, there's vulnerability there. And, you know, we, we, we think about those things and yeah. it, it really sets the tone. You can't necessarily, there's a right and a wrong situation to ask it, but the, some of those forward leaning questions mm. or, or forward thinking questions, what do you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want this business to look like in 12 months? Yeah. What would you like, um, you know, what do you want to accomplish this quarter? Mm. Um, you know, just, just things like that. And then it's, mm. you know, or, or it's, or here's another one. Why did you take this call? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What was the catalyst? Yeah, absolutely. Right? You called me back or you agreed to this meeting or I had an SDR who got in front of you and put your name on my calendar. So here we are talking. What are we doing here? Yeah, yeah, and then that gets them thinking about what their motives are. Um, there's a reason they took the meeting, and so once you get that reason, then you can start to probe a little bit. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of curiosity with questioning. Yeah. Discovery is exactly that. If you are, if your discovery calls sound more like interrogations and less like interviews, you're doing it wrong. Your your mm-hmm. job in discovery is to discover things, not just paint your prospect into a corner that yeah. they feel they have no choice but to buy from you. Yeah. So I don't, you know, but I'm, uh, I, you can call me a Jeffrey Gittimer disciple, right? I mean, yeah. he, I grew up in sales, learning from him. And he's one who's always said, you need 25 questions. You should have 25 questions at the ready so you can go. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I agree with that, except where I disagree with that is I think you need like four or five yeah. that could then turn into more. 
right? Mm-hmm. The, the problem with having 25 is that if you feel you need to go from one to two to three, all the way down to 25, now it's an interrogation. But if I'm just willing to be vulnerable and willing to be curious with somebody, I'll ask one question. And then depending on how that person asks, I might ask another one. Absolutely. And I might ask one that goes in a completely different direction. I'm willing to let this thing go sideways so we can make that connection. And if we run out of time, I'll have another meeting. Yeah. We'll schedule another meeting. I'm not in a hurry. It's a really good point. I I had Gitsamer on my podcast last week. I mean, the guy's one of my heroes. But I I had Keenan yesterday. I don't know if you know Keenan, but... I do, yeah. I love him. Uh, But he made a really good point because he talked about killer questions. I said, give me an example. He said, Tony, I can't because it depends on the conversation. And he gave a really good example. There was gold here where he he, he asked future-paced questions and and the prospect said, I've got to hit 48 million revenue by 2020. And this was four years ago. Yeah. And most salespeople are the world, we just let that go. But Keenan being Keenan said, why? Why? You know, why? Why that number? <laughs> yeah. Why that date? And what came yeah. out of it was, and I didn't know this, Jeff, I don't know if you do, but the, the guy was looking to sell exit the business. And once you get over 45 million, the multiplier massively increases. Yep. And that was the reason for that figure in that day, you know? And that was the killer question, right? Yep. Yep. And, and I've, I, I've listened to a lot of sales calls um, from a lot of SDRs, from a lot of account executives, from just salespeople, right? When I coach people, when I consult with companies and you listen to these sales calls and I'm listening in real time thinking, oh, okay. Oh, great question. And then you hear the answer. Oh, there's so much gold there. And then all of a sudden the salesperson moves on to the next question on their list. They check that box. They asked it. They, they maybe even wrote down what they heard. And, but then it's okay, well, thank you for answering that question. I'm going to move on to the next one now. And it's like, well, wait a second. Yeah. It's right there for you. You That happens, Jeff. Oh, because people are, oh, how much time do you have? The, 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 um, because salespeople want to do it right. Mm. Because most people want to do it right. Mm. And we can talk about our education system and, and how, you know, basically uh, we've been groomed from an early age to score well on tests yeah. um, and, and not get things wrong. Will this be on the test, right? Seth Godin's a huge influence on me. And um, one of his things that he's always brought up is we are so busy asking if it's going to be on the test to wonder whether or not we need to pay attention so we can get it right on the test and nothing else matters. It's a terrible way to frame things. Um, But salespeople, I mean, how many emails, how many requests do you get, Tony, for what's the best subject line that I can use? Give me the words. Just give me the words. Um, What do I do for step one? What's step two? What's step three? What's step four? And so they want to just put their head down and do work. I don't think that's how you sell. I think you engage people. I think you connect with people. I think you listen to them. (laughs) And when they tell you things, you should ask for more information. And, but the thing is, it's, you got salespeople saying, how do I get this right on the test? Yeah. Getting it right on the test is how many calls did I make today? How many forms did I fill out today? How many scheduled or how many meetings did I get scheduled? You got a manager saying, give me your numbers, give me your numbers, give me your numbers. You got his or her manager saying, what's the revenue? What's the revenue? And then ultimately you've got a CEO or you've got shareholders or you've got both just looking at things, making sure everything's running well. Yes. And it, 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 selling, I believe is a people business. And the further you get up the chain and the more complicated and, uh, and large, the, the, the larger the businesses get, the yeah. further away from the people they get. Yeah. And that is, and, and then, you know, hey, you manage what you can measure. So all of a sudden, 
It's about measuring everything. And I think we're measuring a lot of the wrong things right now. That's a really good point, actually. Like, I couldn't agree with you more. You, you mentioned some greats there, you know, Mark, Mike Weinberg, Mark Hunter, some amazing sales experts like yourself. What, in your opinion, when you, when you look at the best of the best, what is, apart from what you've shared already, what, are, what, what does it take now in today's world to be a top, top sales performer? Oh, um, this came up in a conversation just last week. I think there are two things that every salesperson needs to do in order to sell more. Mm. Only two. You need to spend more time selling and you need to be asking for next steps while you're selling. Okay, so there, James Muir is another expert and another friend of mine, and he wrote a great book called The Perfect Close a couple of years ago. I love it. He's he with me next week on my podcast. Uh, tell, him I, tell him I said hello. Yeah. Um, he is in, he, there's a lot of data in that book. And yeah. the, the data that he quoted is somewhere between 40 and 90% of salespeople, professional salespeople, salespeople who only get paid, in many cases, only get paid when they make sales. Yeah. But somewhere between, 40 and 90% of them fail to ask for the next step during their, their sales calls. And why? What does that come down to? I don't know. That's a bigger question for maybe another conversation, yeah. Tony, because yeah. there are a lot of, you know what, that, that, that's a great question to ask James next week. Yeah. Talk to him. Well, um, because he's, he's done the research and he's done all the investigation. So the, um, but, but we don't, and I think it's a lack of faith in, um, you know, the presentation that you've made. I think it's mm. recognizing that you haven't gotten to, to that point. You haven't earned the right to ask. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot of things, but, but primarily maybe the biggest thing is that you're not prepared to ask for the next step. You don't have your mindset ready to ask for that next step before you go in. Yeah. Yeah. Think, very- again, it's how do I run through my PowerPoint presentation and then yeah. ask them what they think? Like that's, that, that's not selling. So the, you have to ask for next steps while you're selling. Yeah. That's you have to spend more time selling. Yeah. How I, the biggest, biggest shift that I made when I left that first job and went to my second job mm-hmm. and I, 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 I borrowed and, and modified a, a point system that I saw in another book. I've written about this before, but um, I had an objective way of measuring my sales activity. Mm-hmm. And I looked back at my old calendar and I was working 60, 65 hours a week doing a bunch of service work, a lot of customer service work, um, but wasn't doing a whole lot of selling. And I was working really hard. There weren't enough hours in the day, but my numbers weren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to flip a switch and focus on scheduling sales activities, making sure I was moving through the sales process. Mm-hmm. And um, I tripled my revenue in a third of the time. Wow. So that's a nine X increase, right? Oh. And um, all because I made it a point to spend more time selling or yeah. to prioritize the selling activities first and yeah. it gave me a way to organize my week. Um, so if you spend more time selling and you, if you spend more time in your sales process and ask for, and ask for next steps in yeah. your sales process, that's how you, that, those are the only two ways you get, you get better. The, the, the Weinbergs, the Hunters, the Ian Arenos, the Blunts, the, the, the Andrea Waltzes, the James Muirs, the yeah. anybody, you, 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 uh, the Keenans, the Gittimers, you yeah. know, when they're really effective is when they're in front of people and they do not leave those conversations without asking when the next conversation Absolutely. is happen. I tell people that, look, if your customer is open and in front of you, your schedule had better be open and in front of you yeah, as well. Correct. 
Hans Hansen. No, I think that's very, very good advice. What, what's the best advice you've ever been given throughout your career that has really stayed with you and served you well? Oh, man. I've been given such good advice. I'm going to, I'm going to try to find a way to dance around this question, Tony. Um, I, I have, um, I have been so fortunate that, and and I can't put my finger on it, but people take my calls. Um, you know, when I, when I started, like the story I told you earlier, someone was looking out for me. Someone said, you know, you'd be really, really good in sales. And I haven't talked to that lady in way too long, but I need to thank her because if it wasn't for her just saying, what do you have to lose? Then I wouldn't have gotten into it. Uh-huh. And if it wasn't for Ken, yeah, then who said you can do this and I can help you, then I wouldn't have taken that first step. And if it weren't for um, Craig, who's a, a very very good friend of mine, who joined the organization and, wow. and gave me the mentorship that I needed, and then encouraged me to leave the organization a couple couple of years later, he was inevitably on his way out too because we just both had different paths. And then if it weren't for me being willing to step out and, and put some of my own um, thoughts and strategies into play. And if it weren't for finding Jeffrey Gittimer and being yeah. willing to spend a weekend with him in Charlotte and having him look at me and, and meeting with him and saying, he said, you get this. Yeah. Right. And then, so I invested a little bit more with him and spent more time with him and, and he's someone I can call a friend now. And yeah. that leads me to, I've got a podcast. And so now you know, Anthony and Arena and Mike Weinberg and Mark Hunter come on the show and, and we talk and you, I go to these conferences and people are just like, hey, you're doing really good work. And all I do is show up and do work, Tony. That I feel really blessed for that. But I think at the same time, the work that I've done has given me an opportunity to, uh, it's put me in position to really be colleagues and be mentored by some of these experts that we all look up to. It's amazing. I'd love to. They all give me... They all give me good advice, I guess is, is, is what I'm saying. And, and I seem to be getting the right advice at the right time, but I can't look back and point to any one thing. Yeah, that's fair. But you know what, what, what? I think what's come out from that is you've embraced it. You're, you're, you're clearly so receptive and open to learn and take and absorb their advice. And most importantly, take action, right? But right. you know, how many sales people don't, don't do both those things? They don't learn and they don't implement. Right. Man, that's clear. I'd love to go back to, I think you said her name was Rose, and ask her, what did she see in you where she knew sales was your, your, your career that was a career of, not your choice, your, your, your path. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I want to ask you this. In, in all of your sales career to date, what would you say for the, the sale that you've been most proud of and what lessons did you take from it? Um, there were, I'll tell you a cool, I don't know if it's the best, but this is one that sticks to, with me and, yeah. I, and I, I take it. Um, it was a turning point for so many other sales that I could make. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember early on in my career, I had someone in project ma- or product management who mm-hmm. was brand new. And uh, we met at a national sales meeting and he said, this must be great to sell for this company. We clearly have the best product out there. You got to have, I mean, it's got to be easy just going out there and taking orders. Yeah. And I said, why don't you come spend a couple of days with me in my territory? Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. And so we sat down the very first day and we sat down and I, I drove him 
probably 450 miles and we had six or seven meetings in a day. Mm. No, wait, one, two, three, four, five, yeah, five meetings in a day. Mm. And um, it was just a Wednesday to me, but he didn't, he doesn't know, he didn't know at the time what we were doing. Um, But we sat down to prep for one of these meetings that we were going into a hospital. And he said, Jeff, I just don't understand why anybody wouldn't buy our product. And so I laid it out for him. And I said, okay, well, here's the finances at the hospital. Here's the finances at the surgery center. Here are the people who are in charge of money. Here are the people being charged with spending it responsibly. Here's our competition. Here's where we are. Laid the whole thing out for him and set my pen down on my pad and looked at him. He says, Jeff, I have no idea why anybody would ever buy from us. And I said, (laughs) now you're ready to go sell. Let's go get it. I mean, just being able to change the mindset. Like there's something so valuable about being so confident. I call it swagger. That's number five is keep your swagger. Like you've got to believe that everybody's going to buy from you because you've got the best thing and you make the biggest impact. That's great. But then there's that element of realism, right? There's that element of reality. (laughs) Remember that there are constraints there. Of course, why would they buy from you? A, B, C, D. Why wouldn't they buy from you? Yeah. W X Y Z, and how do we get around that? And um, that that was that was certainly uh, that taught me some things. It taught hit some him some things. Yeah, and, um, that was I, I think a, a fun story to tell, and also pretty pivotal, um, really early in my career. Yeah, I have so many stories, Tony. You keep throwing me these questions, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how to pick one. We'll have, we'll have to do another. We'll have to do another pod. Well, where can my listeners, Jeff, access your, you know, you listen to your podcast, get your book and, and access some of your great content? Uh, thank you. The, the, the podcast is called The Why and the Buy. And that is, uh, you can go to thewhyandthebuy.com or you can go anywhere you get podcasts. We're everywhere. We're, uh, we've worked very hard to be ubiquitous in that regard. You can go to my website, jeffbajorek.com yeah. and you can find a link to everywhere. Um, I am on Twitter. I am on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook. Um, I'm on uh, Instagram at rethink the way you sell. Uh, Go to my website and I'm I'm building a community there. There are links on the website that you can join the mailing list. Um, You can download the five forgotten fundamentals of prospecting for free. It's there and that gets you on the mailing list. And I've got some bonuses that, that, uh, that come out after that. Awesome. Once you join the list, and uh, I'm also building an interactive mailing list right now, where it's it's really it's an online community on the Mighty Networks platform, where uh, you can interact with each other. Right? I mean, there's it's one thing to get an email from me once or twice a week. Yeah. It's another thing to be able to hop into a community and engage. That sounds and, amazing. I'll get involved in that. That's what I'm I'm, I'm building. So amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing such great gold. Really appreciate your time and, and stay safe. You too, Tony. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you.